0: From the pit to the palace. There's a story of a guy. One night he was um, heading home, and he decided because he was late and his wife would be upset, he was going to take a shortcut home. So he decided to walk through the town cemetery. And it was dark, and one of those nights where there just seems like there's no no light, no stars, and moon. and, And he's walking through the cemetery. The next thing you know, he fell into an open grave. And you can imagine what that would seem like in the middle of the dark. You're lying in this grave, and he began to try to get out and. If you can picture it, he's jumping, he's yelling for anybody to help him, he's trying to climb up, and everything he does, it just doesn't work, and finally he just gives up, and he sits down in the corner of the grave. He says, I'll just wait till morning, surely somebody will come and find me. About an hour later, and still in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, another man decides he's going to walk through the cemetery, and lo and behold, you guess it, what does he do? He falls in the same grave. And he jumps, and he screams, and he claws, he's trying to climb up, he's so furious that he fell in the grave, there's no way out, and all of a sudden this hand reaches from the darkness and puts his hand on his shoulder and said, you shouldn't even try. There's no way out of here. And didn't you know he got out in that moment? (laughs) You know, not only is it funny, it proves something. There's always a way out, right? And what we're talking about today is how do you deal with the pits of life? How do you deal with the situations where it seems like there may be no way out for you? Because like it or not, and this is something we just have to deal with, like it or not, We all go through times in life where we we might refer to them as the pits. We might refer to them as as, as that hole that it seems like we just drop into uh, really at no fault of our own. And we might not know for sure how we got there. We may not even know sure how we're going to get out. But one thing is certain. We will not move ahead toward the destiny that God has for us in Christ if we stay in the pits. We've got to learn how to deal with the parts of life that are hard. The parts of life that cause us to struggle with, is there no way out? We're in part two of this series on the life of Joseph. Like I said, very famous story. In fact, you can go right now downtown and you can watch the, what, what is the name of it? It's uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Anybody, anybody seen that? And uh, it's a Broadway show, probably not really biblical. But anyway, uh, I'm sure there's some good music in it. Uh, but if you're new to the Bible, this is one of those stories that, that you just got to read. It's one of those stories that if you can relate to because if this story took place today, you're going to find this out in the next few weeks, they would make it into a miniseries. I'm, I'm telling you, there are so many twists and turns in the life of Joseph that you just keep finding yourself going, no way, no, no way did that happen to that guy. Well, it did, and it did for a purpose, and that is for us to learn how God works in our lives in bringing someone from their dream to their destiny, even though it brings them through tests that are common to every one of us. So the qu- main question that really the story Joseph answers is, how do I walk toward the destiny God has for me? How do I walk from the dream to the destiny? How do I pass the test that this life brings to get me to that place where God is flowing in my life? So let's pray together. Father, God open our ears to hear this morning. open, open our hearts to receive. God, I pray that you help me to decrease that you can increase God, and that Father, our eyes would be on you. Father, we love you, and God, we want to know you more, Father. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's life and truth to us. I give you praise and thanks, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we began looking at Joseph's life, and we talked about how God put a dream in a 17-year-old's heart to literally be a leader to his family and literally to the culture around him. And how in that dream, Joseph saw some things that he really needed to ponder, but instead, he... He had to walk through a test that we all face, and that is the pride test, where where because of his pride, he didn't know how to handle the dream. And God had to take him through some testing in order to get him to that place of humility where he could pursue what God wanted him to pursue. And as we pick up the story today, it seems like Joseph's dream quickly went downhill fast, all right? Because we're going to find in the story this morning that he went from being a dreamer to being literally in the pit fearing for his life. As we read the story this morning, I think Joseph, when he started out, he really would have been singing or humming the old Happy Day song, right? Because it's going well. I mean, think about it. We learned last week that Joseph uh, was the youngest sibling. Anybody the youngest sibling in the place? God bless your heart. Yes, for us middle kids, we love you. Yes. Um, And and he was the youngest, and, and yet his brothers couldn't stand him. The word says they hated him. (laughs) they despised him because not only he had this dream, but the way he would talk to them. And he went and he tattled on his brothers to his parents. I'm sure you never did that. And he went and told his dad, he said, hey, my brothers, man, they got some problems. They got some character issues. And he he gave a bad report to his father. And he he must be thinking, man, my dad really gets my dream because his dad says, I'm going to send you now to go check on your brother. So he's thinking, this is good. My dream is coming to pass, and it's coming to pass quickly, but we read in verse 12 of chapter 37, it says, now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? Oh, they've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. Now, it's kind of of funny when you pull in the story here that Joseph was basically lost wandering around in the fields. I mean, his brothers called him the dreamer, but I think he may have had a little daydreaming going on too, right? Literally, this man had to rescue him and say, What are you doing? So I'm looking for my brothers. I can't find them. He says, well, they're, they're down in Dothan. So you pick it up, verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Good brothers, huh? When Reuben heard this, Reuben's the oldest brother, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, for there was no water in it. So here's Joseph. He is pursuing the dream. He's walking on his mission, right? I, I've been God gave me this dream that I'm going to lead my family, so certainly this must be what's happening. He's walking toward his mission, and he's wearing that special coat that his dad gave him. I mean, how else could they see him off in the distance, right? I mean, that, that coat that's the Technicolor coat in Broadway, it must have stood out across, the, across the, the distance there. And they saw him coming, and they decided they wanted to kill him. But fortunately for him, he had an older brother that said, you know what, let's don't kill him, let's just throw him in the pit. You know, all of us are going to find ourselves in the pit from time to time. All of us are going to find ourselves in, in places where it seems like life is just going smoothly, and the next thing you know, life turns upside down. Welcome to hope. I'm glad I can encourage you this morning. That's my job, right? But we all do. We all find those times where it's like, what happened? What happened? I mean, I I thought I had it figured out. I thought I had this this, this dance down well, and I'm moving forward in my life toward God, and next thing you know, things turn, and I find myself in this pit. And it's very easy during the pit test, because it is a test when we find ourselves there, it's very easy in the pit test for us to get discouraged and even depressed, because there's something common to all pits. And that is when you find yourself there, the first thought it seems is that it always seems that there is no way out. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a way out of the pits in life. God has a way of taking us out of the things that are hard and bringing us through them so that ultimately something will change in our lives. Now, here's what I want you to know about pits this morning. You're taking notes. The first thing I want you to understand is that pits are common to all, all right? They they are a common occurrence to all. Because we need to recognize that literally some pits are just part of this life. Jesus said it in John's gospel. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How many know this morning we live in a pretty messed up world? We live in a world that's contaminated by by sin, right? We live in a world that is broken in so many ways, and out of that brokenness we find that there is a lot of trouble in this world, whether you're looking for it or not. And, and because of that, some pits are simply a product of living in a fallen world. Some of, some of you are in, are in pits because of the sins of others. You, you understand that, right? Some of you have seen that happen in your own life, and you wonder, well, what did I do wrong? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> it's not necessarily that you did anything wrong. It's just we live in this sin-cursed world, and because of that, we find ourselves sometimes going through difficult places. But if we're honest, and this is so important this morning, if we're honest... We usually, but not always, have a part in the fact that we ended up in the pit. See, Joseph had a pride issue. Remember that from last week? You can go back and listen to the podcast. Joseph had a pride issue. And it'd be so easy for him just to blame it on everybody else. It's it's, it's so easy, isn't it? In difficult times, to look around and find someone else to blame for where we find ourselves. To look around and find someone else to put it on to because the world is so full of sin... There, there's never a shortage of people to blame in our, in our lives. In fact, we live in a culture of victimization, don't we? we? live in a culture where the cool thing is it's always someone else's fault, right? If you don't believe that, spend some time on social media, right? Haters hate. Oh, you know, hey, it's not, it's not you. It's not, it's not me. I don't have a problem. People are just jealous of me. It has nothing to do with how I live or how I act or how I talk or how I present, present myself. It's always someone else's problem. Listen, guys. <laughs> Everything is not always someone else's problems. A lot of times we are just simply honest with ourselves. We deal with pride also. We do some things that get ourselves in the pits, and we've got to recognize that and own that if we're going to let God really break through in our lives and use us for his glory. Listen, you may be right, and this may sound harsh this morning. Please please don't take it that way. You may be absolutely right. Your mom may have been so distant from you. She may have dropped you on your head when you were a baby, okay? But you're 40 years old. Get over it, all right? There's a certain point where you just have to own your own life and say it's not them, it's not because of them, it, it's, it's right here in me. Because here's the, here's the truth this morning. Whether the pit you find yourself in comes at no fault of your own or for the sins of others. Here's what you need to hear. Only you can take responsibility to get out of the pit. Only you can take responsibility to get out of the pit. And that's where God comes in. That's where you reach out to God. You see, Joseph's story could have been all about his brothers, how evil they were, how awful they were. Fact is, they were, right? I mean, you don't go out and kill your brother. You may not talk to him, but you you don't kill him, right? But, But Joseph also had a part in this. It was a sinful attitude that contributed to his problem. Joseph had that pride, and he could have blamed it on his dad. He could have blamed it on someone else, but he had to own that. I mean, think about it. If I knew my brothers hated me because my dad loved me the most, do you think I would wear the coat of many colors when I went out to see them in the desert? That's not bright, is it? Not bright at all. But that's exactly what he did, and then because of that, he ended up in the pit. You see, Joseph made a mistake that a lot of followers of Christ make in their journey. He started to find his identity in his gifts that identified him as a favorite son, rather than finding his identity in the relationship that made him a favored son. His dad loved him. He couldn't help that. His dad loved him. His dad was wrong to play favors, but his dad loved him. And instead of getting a hold of that relationship, he wanted to show it off with a gift. And he ended up losing his gift as a result. He ended up losing that coat. It was, it, was, it was covered with blood. It was taken back to his dad and said, Hey, your son's dead. The animals tore him up. First, listen to me. God, when He puts gifts in our lives, He does not take those gifts back, all right? The gifts of God are without repentance, the Word says. But can I tell you that if we let pride overwhelm our lives, if we get so full of ourselves, we can lose the effectiveness of whatever gift God has given us. Our Father doesn't take it away, but we can walk away from it. And I want, to hear the, I want you to hear this morning, that when you find yourself in that position, when you find yourself in a pit, when you find yourself in that place where you realize, you know what, God has this destiny for me, but I, I can't seem to get out of the pit. Can I tell you that? That's when you need to look up. And that's when you need to humble yourself, and that's when you need to go after God with all your heart. 1 Peter 5, 6 says it well. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You see, when you find yourself in a pit, you may feel that all is lost. But can I tell you, when you cry out to God in humility, in humility of spirit, that's when God begins to lift you out. And that leads us to the, the second thing I want you to know about pits. Number one, they're common. But number two, pits can be a dangerous place, especially if you stay there too long. You see, pits can be a very dangerous place because in the pits, we encounter the lies of the enemy of our souls. There there is one who's known as Satan, and Satan is not for us, he is against us. And he is a master manipulator, a master liar. And any time you fall into the pit, you're going to encounter the lies of the enemy. He's going to lie with accusation against you. He's going to lie with, with hopelessness. He's going to lie with even fabricated evidence to try to keep you down in that pit. And if you believe the lies, can I tell you, you're going to stay there way too long. And you need to understand that if you want to get out of the pit in your life, you're going to have to learn to discern the lies of the enemy and resist them with the truth of God's word. Just listen this morning very carefully. God is not the accuser. Anytime you ever hear a voice, if you're down to a hard time, you hear a voice that's trying to grind you down and and take away your hope, that is not God. That comes straight from the pit of hell. Revelation says that in Revelation 12, 10, it says that, that Satan is the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. He's constantly trying to tear down this life. Jesus said, he said, listen, I've come that you may have life. And life more abundantly, he said, but there is one who came to kill, steal, and destroy. And when you're in a pit, let me tell you something. You've got to learn to discern the voice of God and, and, and also discern to put aside the voice of Satan. Because here's what Satan does. He says to you like, things like this. See, you're no good. You wouldn't be in this pit if you had it all together. I mean, come on. You never do anything good for the Lord. You're never going to do anything for the Lord. You're just, you're just not one of his chosen. He gets onto our circumstance. He says, Listen, your marriage, it's just done. There, there's no hope for you. There's, there's no coming back from that. You'll never get your life straightened out. You're all alone. You might as well just learn to live in the pit. How many know that that's a lie from the pit of hell? Because it doesn't lead us to hope. It doesn't lead us to God. You see, every time you have a thought like this, you need to remind yourself of the source and resist it. James 2 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from us, right? You say, I have have that kind of power? Yes, you do. Because if you understand what Jesus did for us on the cross, and when he rose from the grave on the third day, he gave us power and authority in this earth. And when we resist Satan, the word says he has to flee from us. I don't know if you've ever done it. I've done it in my prayer times, where it just seems like the, the bombardment of accusation is coming. And it flows in that way where it just seems like, what am I doing trying to serve God? I'm such a doofus. I mean, you're just kind of, it's just overwhelming you. And I've caught myself just stopping and having that conversation and say, no. The Bible says... I can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And right now what I'm hearing is accusations, and that is not from my father. My father is for me and not against me. And because he is for me and not against me, I don't have to listen to your lies, Satan. In fact, the word of God says, I resist you. You've got to flee. So, buddy, you're out of here, and I don't want to ever see you again. You say, Mike, that sounds like crazy talk. Well, I I call it faith talk, guys. Because when you take the truths of God's word, you've got to learn to live in them. We're we're not playing games, guys. (laughs) There's a real enemy out there, and he wants to destroy our lives. But God gives us more than anything else. He gives us hope. It's very important. You've got to know the difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation that comes from the devil. You see, Satan doesn't stop accusing us. He's going to keep going after us. And if he can't get us to, to, to give up on that, he'll even begin to accuse God in our presence. You're in the pit, and what do you hear? Well, where's God? So much good that faith did for you, right? You're in a dead-end job. You're in a bad place in your marriage. I guess God just doesn't care about you. If he really loved you, (laughs) you wouldn't be in this pit. And he begins to accuse God. He says, God is not faithful to you. But listen, if we want to overcome the lies of the pit, we've got to learn to focus on God's faithfulness and not our circumstances. Because sometimes our circumstances make us feel all alone. But can I tell you, that's when faith grabs hold of the truth that God is with me. And I'm not a person to be led by my emotions. I'm a person to be led by truth. Emotions will fool you, won't they? They'll, they'll take you down some weird places, right? But I, you have to learn emotions is not what we're led by. We're led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us to that place of hope when we trust in Him. You see, Satan will get us in that pit. He'll being to lie to us. And he wants us to buy into the biggest lie of all. And that is this. He says, it's too late. You've messed up too badly for God to ever use you. The dream is dead. Give up. Can I tell you this Bible, (laughs) this wonderful book of truth that we have, this this incredible gift of God to us that gives us the the words of life, this Bible is a book that's all about restoration. It's all about God's ability to take that which is broken and, 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 and seemingly done and bring new life to it. And that's the story of every one of our lives when we turn to trust in him. You see, God wants us to know this truth. Nothing is impossible to Him. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning, but that was a good pot, okay? I know it's cold outside, but come on, right? We we can do this. Nothing. There's nothing too difficult for God. As long as you have breath, it's never too late to call out to God. And it doesn't matter what kind of pitch you're in. Listen, I could go around the room this morning. You don't want me to. We can lay it all out. There are some in financial pits, there are some in marital pits, there are some in relational pits, there are some in, 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 in health pits. i to tell you there's no pit too great that our God is not able to get you out and make you whole. And you've got to have your trust in Him. And that really is the purpose of the pit. And that's my, my third thing I want you to see about the pit. There is a purpose. There is a purpose. God is not throwing us in the pit to punish us. And God is not responsible for all of our pits. You need to understand that. Some are just because of the fall, some are our own fault. But there are certain pits that God will allow us just to stumble into. And it's usually when we stop listening to Him. But there is a purpose in every pit in life, and that is that we would come to that place where we recognize that we can't get out on our own. We just can't do it. We're helpless. Because only when you recognize that apart from Christ, you can do nothing, do you really humble yourself to allow the power of Christ to begin to flow in your life. And that's when ministry begins to flow from you, because now it's not based on your gifts or your talents or your abilities or your charisma. It's based on the power of God that has found a vessel that says, I can't do a thing without you, God, but if you want to use me, go for it. And he does just that. You see, yeah, I want you to know that no matter what pit you're in, even if you dug it yourself, God is big enough to get you out. But the most important thing about it, the most important question is not whether God can deliver you. The most important question is whether you're going to call out to God in humility or are you just going to go around griping and murmuring and complaining about the pit that you're in. I mean, if I'm Joseph, I don't think ESPN came up with the phrase, come on, man, that's Joseph. He's like, God, really? Really? come home man you gave me a dream now I'm in a pit my brothers want to kill me you said I was going to rule over them you ever experienced that early on we were early days of hope and there's so much craziness that a lot of you didn't even know about of just the attacks of the enemy and just circumstances and just ridiculous stuff if you ever want to take new territory for God strap it on okay because the battle comes at you very quickly And I remember several times walking out into my backyard, and I thought my neighbors must have thought I was, like, crazy. They all like me, okay, it's cool. But I just stood there one day, I'm like, really, God? Come on, man, is this the way it's going to be? And then I was like, but it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I I have have experienced walking and trusting you, God, but you know what? A break would be nice, all right? Somewhere in there, a break. I'm sure Joseph thought that. You know, God, come on, get me out of this pit, because somewhere in that pit, and the Bible doesn't give us this, but we got to use our, our imagination about what happened here. Somewhere in that pit, I think Joseph must have taken responsibility for his own pride. I think somewhere in the pit, he must have manned up and said, you know what? <laughs> I probably deserve what my brothers did. I've been a jerk. I, I'm, I'm the younger brother. I have no place of standing with them, and I'm out there telling him how bad they are. I, I probably need to own that. Somewhere in that pit, Joseph must have cried out to God in true humility. And ask the Lord to forgive him of his arrogance and pride and to restore him back into the plan of his destiny. But here's the interesting thing about Joseph's pit. Before he ever fell into it, God had a plan to deliver him because the pit was part of the path that would lead him to his destiny. It was part of the journey that he had to go through if he was ever going to be a person who was going to lead in, in that place. If you, if you know the story at all, and we're not going to finish reading it today by any means, but when Joseph was thrown in the pit, how he was rescued out was not by his brothers. It was by a bunch of slave traders, Midianites, that were going on their way to Egypt. And he was sold to them as a slave. Guess where God wanted Joseph to end up? In Egypt. Because he knew what was coming, he knew that his family had, had to be rescued, he knew that his country had to be rescued, and he was setting Joseph up for greatness, but he had to go through the pit if he ever was going to get there. So the purpose of the pit, guys, is not just to rail against God or beat yourself up, or look around and say how awful I am. The purpose is to humbly come to God and say, God, I may not understand it, I definitely don't like it, God, I, I really don't even know how to get out of this, The Father, my life is yours. And God, I just give it to you right now. And God, I trust that, Father, you are for me, and I trust that you are good. See, guys, no matter where you are in your journey, you're going to experience those moments that are going to test your vision of who God is. You're going to come to places that test whether you believe what we sing and what we say or not. You're going to come to places in your journey that you're going to say, I don't get this. But God, I know you're with me. And God, I know there's something in this that's going to shape me to the person that you want me to be we were singing that song earlier today, I, I had, to, had to push back a couple of, uh, of tears this morning because that, that song, uh, my, my history I've shared with you before, my mom was the church pianist, right? And I grew up with the hymns of the church. And that's what was played in our house. That and, you know, that was about it. We, we, we knew the hymns of the church. My mom was a pianist. And for those who know that we walked through the journey last year, of I lost my mom to Alzheimer's. And I was, I was thinking in the middle of that time, God, what is the purpose in this? And yet, in the back of my head, I know theologically, like, that's a bad question, God, because I, don't, I, mean, I may not know that till eternity. But I remember the comfort of God in the midst of that, that just said, call on me. Just call on me. Guys, can I tell you, you're never going to outgrow the need of calling on God in humility. In your marriage, you're never going to reach that point where you don't have to rely on God. In your finances, in your job, in your relationship, in your health, you're never going to get to that place where you're like, God, I don't need you. Because when you get to that place, you're in trouble. You're in great trouble. Because church, listen, we need God. And we're going to need him until the day Jesus Christ returns. And there is purpose in that pit. And it reminds us that God is moving us toward our destiny. And everything we go through in life is just something that shapes us more and more into that place where we say, God, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Do what you want, God, because I trust you. Because there is redemption in the pit. And that's the final thing I want you to see this morning. We're going to wrap this up in a time of response. There is always redemption from the pit. You see, God always has a plan, no matter what pit we are in. If you look a little closer at this story, you're going to see something in there that if you ever study the life of Christ, it's going to remind you what Christ did for us. Many scholars they say that Joseph is a, is a foreshadow. He's an image of what Christ became for us. And you can see Christ all through his stories. In fact, if you, if you walk through this, you, you see God working even through his brothers to give us a picture of what Christ did for us. In verse 22, Reuben said, Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. The guys, his brothers wanted to kill him. They don't want to throw him in a pit. They want him gone. But Reuben, the oldest brother... Now, listen, the oldest brother, he stepped in. And Reuben probably had the most right to be mad at Joseph more than anybody else. Because he was the firstborn. He was supposed to be the favored. He was the one that his dad was supposed to give everything to. But instead, he bypassed him and went right down to the youngest guy. And he gave it to Joseph. But yet Reuben said, don't kill him. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do this. He had more reason than anybody else. But as the firstborn, Reuben did something. He sought to deliver Joseph from death and to bring him back to his father and just like reuben jesus laid down everything all the rights all the privileges of heaven all the all the glorification of of being in heaven he laid all those down to come to this earth and give himself up to do what to deliver you and i from death because the wages of sin are death and he did something else that was greatly important not only to deliver us from sin but also to bring us back to the father and that really is what the story's about, isn't it? That God would bring us back to the Father through His Son. He'd restore us in that right relationship. He'd give us hope to follow Him. And like Joseph, Jesus was betrayed and, and He ended up in the pit. And then unlike Joseph, He didn't end up there because He did something wrong. He ended up there in God's purpose. He was, he was crucified. He was buried. but On the third day, He rose. Amen. And because he rose from the grave, he experienced all that we would experience with our sin, but yet he delivered us from the pit. And he raised us up now that we are right with our Father. Guys, there's no greater miracle we'll ever see on this earth than that. Christ (laughs) saw us through. So here's the deal. Here's how we wrap it. If you find yourself in a pit, If you find yourself in a pit, it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter who put you there. It doesn't matter if you deserve it or not. But if you're in a pit and it looks like there's no way out, you've got to remember the good news that Jesus Christ has been there before you. He he has gone through everything you've walked in. He's experienced life in every way we have. Yet, he didn't sin. Because he didn't sin, he became our sacrifice, and he, he gave his life to deliver us from the penalty of sin, and he rose from the grave to deliver us from its power over us. And because of that, whenever we go into a pit, can I tell you, we can look to God and say, okay, I don't like this, I not want out of this sooner than later, but Lord, your will be done. God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I trust you because he that raised Christ from the dead, the word says his spirit dwells in us, it'll quicken our bodies, but it comes when we humble ourselves and cry out to him. This last week, it seems like I spent a lot of time just talking to people who were in the pits. And One thing I know, there's a big difference of being in the pit with Christ and being in the pit without Him. I saw hope this week, and I saw hopelessness. And I tell you, the hopelessness broke my heart. You may say, I don't have a lot of faith. If you have faith this morning in Christ Jesus as your Lord, can I tell you, everything is possible in your life. Everything is possible. But if you're trying to wing it out there on your own and you're just trying to make life happen in your own strength, can I tell you, you're going to end up in a pit you can't get out of. And you have no one to reach out to until you humble yourself and ask God to be your Savior. So this morning, as we prepare ourselves to respond to God, you have to really ask yourself today, where am I in this story? Where, where am I in this, in this journey? Maybe you're the dreamer and you've been in a pit a long time and you just never acknowledge your own pride is what puts you there and you need to repent and just give it to God and recognize that you are not God's gift of the world, but He is. And He wants to work through you. But you've got to humble yourself. For others, you may find yourself in the pit today and you're like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to go. That's why I showed up at this place. It was called hope. But there's only one that can give you hope and that is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to pray with you. If you desire to make Him your Lord, we're going to invite you to do that very humbly. We're not going to ask you to, to stand up among everybody and come and single Yet yeah, We're going to say right where you are because that's where God deals with us, right where we are. We're going to ask you just to pray and ask God to be your Lord through Jesus Christ and accept what he did for you and to receive his gift of grace. So right now, I want you all to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us. Every Sunday at Hope, for those that this is your first Sunday, we've done this from day one. We ask you to answer two questions at the end of every service. And that is, what is God saying to me through his word today? Because I believe every time we come under the word of God, if it's a child reciting a verse to you, Every time we come under the word of God, God is saying something to you. And then the second question is, what are you going to do about it? When we offer you a time to respond, our band is going to lead us back into a, a time of worship. We're going to sing. We ask you to let the words of that song begin to minister to you. And then make a choice. Make a choice. If you believe God is dealing with your heart and you need to respond to him today, then we offer you, you can, you can find your way back to the cross if you want to. And, Maybe you just want to pray there or lay something against the cross and say, I'm, I'm leaving this here. I'm done with that pit. Or you may want to receive prayer. We have folks that will pray with you and will minister your life. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners in a moment when I pray if they'll get in position. They're people who will disagree with you in prayer. And then I invite you to come and if you're a follower of Christ, celebrate what he's done for you. Sometimes the gratitude is what helps us get out of the pit. And that's what we do in communion every Sunday. We say thank you that your body was broken, that we could be whole. Thank you that your blood was shed, that we can be forgiven. And then we offer to God our our, our tithe and offering as an act of worship as we respond to him. So I pray, Father, right now, help us. God, help us no matter where we are in our journey, God, whether we are freshly out of the pit and we can say, "Woo, praise God, or whether we're in it, God, and we're looking up. God, no matter where we are in the journey, God, we can rest assured you're with us, God. And I pray that you would help us respond to you today in a way that honors your name. God, that we'd be sincere, and God, we'd be honest, and God, we'd be transparent. And Father, no matter what our need is today, help us to recognize, God, we're not alone. God, we're, we're among a group of people, God, that hope explains our lives, oh God. Father, we know where we've come from. We know what we've walked in, God. We know where we are. And God, we know this for a fact. God, you're our hope. You're our strength. And God, we can't do anything without you. So Lord, help us. Help us to respond to you today in a a mighty way. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just draw us closer to you. God, I pray, Lord God, you just release your power over our lives right now, God. Father, if there are needs of healing or if there are things that are broken, God, even as we take communion, God, let your healing power flow to us, oh God. Remind us that you are God. God, you love us. So, Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks. Let's respond to the Lord this morning. Guys, lead us.